Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, T-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. I'm sick of it! Every year! We give power to one person! Okay, Madigan's gone now, Mr. Bust. <laughs> you can calm down now, sir. Bust, <laughs> man. Hey, got to Congress doing it. Okay, he got to Congress. <laughs> I remember we were doing a, we were doing an analysis of his reelection, and I go, D, here, and he, I said it to you. I remember. I'm sick of it, and he throws the papers. What what year was that? That was like a while ago, right? Yeah, I think that was. Don't call me on this. No, we never do. Uh, we I never do. It was like 2014, Time. something like that. Yeah, he was uh, a state rep. I'm sick. And he threw the papers in the air, and it went viral. And pre mag, this is pre maga magites. Yeah, yeah. So they're not really magas. They're like pre maga magites. And they're like, oh, I love this guy. Right, he went viral. Then everybody forgot about it, and he's like, "Shoo, the coast is clear." Little did he know this podcast. <laughs> These two weird fellas would be playing it five, six years later. I'm sick of it. Every year we give power to one person. Good times. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. He's not around anymore, boss. Yeah. Can't complain anymore. You got Chris Welch, real nice guy. Wants to share power. We'll get into that in a little while. Right, D? Absolutely. Absolutely. What is that called? Foreshadowing. It's called a tease and a foreshadow. It's both. It's both. Uh, Foreshadow is more literary. Tease is more radio. Good point. You're right. You're right. Uh, All right, uh, guys, live stream chat. Just give a thumbs up emoji if you can hear us okay and the audio is doing all right. Yesterday we had some issues. And that transition from Alton to Chicago got a little rough there. But we're good now. All right. We're good. But just thumbs up emoji. uh, And then we'll get today's show underway. Ben, you're not wearing any green. Come here, home, pinch ya. Come here, get ya. Well, this is kind of sort of. I've. It's black. I, it's a black sweatshirt. Black. Yeah, kid, I'm colorblind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm not wearing any. Oh well. <laughs> Let me go change. Oh, that was me running out, going downstairs, changing. That was quick. That was good. None of which happened. <laughs> but you know what? People outside in Radio Land are like, "Oh, wow." Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Ben, you keep looking at your shirt. It's not green. It's black. It's just like specks of green in it. Well, that sounds disgusting. Uh, uh, wait a minute. That could be like pizza stain. Or like so phlegm or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just ignore the specks. 
<laughs> Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, March 17th is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know about the city of Chicago. All right. What to do, where to go, what music to listen to, uh, you what to wear. So many things. So many questions will be answered. If you are a clueless Chicagoan, get a clue. ChicagoReader.com and subscribe. Also, check out ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky to find our endless archive of Ben Jarofsky shows, over 950 episodes, and you can become a Benhead. That's right. An avid listener of the Ben Jarofsky show. Show your support for the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, we have a three tier system happening right now at chicagoreader.com. You can be an alley member. You can be an Avenue member and you can be rolling on Benny Boulevard. All right. <laughs> Not sure what that entails, but you could be on Benny Boulevard. Well, I do know what it entails. If you do become a Boulevard member, you will get a free copy of Ben Jarofsky's book. It's his greatest hits covering 40 years of Chicago Reader columns. There's that book right there. Ben's just staring off in the lake and thinking about life. Ah, 40 years. My God. <laughs> well, it's really not the lake. It's sort of like uh, the back alley is what I'm staring into, but I'm pretending it's the lake. <laughs> you have a song of the day. Your song of the day comes from Frank, and I'm actually uh, curious to hear how this one goes. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Oh, you... I love staying alive. By the way, I urge everybody to check out the Bee Gees documentary. I forget Prime. I don't know where it is. Somewhere. Excellent documentary. It's all about the music of the great Bee Gees. Yeah, I'm a Bee Gees fan, Dean. Proud to say. Not hiding it. Uh, and by the way, the opening, Staying Alive, of course, is a song that to the opening of Saturday Night uh uh, fee, uh, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, and as Dennis will tell you, they totally stole the opening. Uh, for Saturday Night Fever from Shaft. Just saying they stole it. Uh, so let's give credit where credit's due. I will not do Shaft's opening, although I can still see Richard Roundtree walking through Harlem. This sounds like a debate, like, I don't know, 50 years overdue. <laughs> Thank God we have and, a podcast uh, to talk about this. <laughs> you stole it from them. Give them credit. Uh, I can tell by the way you move your socks or whatever they are. <laughs> Suddenly I turned a beachy song in the Shaft. <laughs> Wow, wow, I thought that'd go way better. I can tell by the way you move my socks. All right, the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Wednesday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of Mr. Troy LaRavier. And now your host, he got one vaccine shot, so he's staying alive, am I right? Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this The Russians Are Coming Wednesday. And here's why. 
Well, really, seriously, accurately, it's more like the Russians are here. Yes, the story in all the morning papers was about U.S. intelligence discovering evidence that Russian computer hackers had hacked us, uh, hacked into computers in an attempt to steer the last election, 2020, to Donald Trump. Or, as President Putin prefers to call him, Comrade Chump. Because <laughs> uh, Donnie is Putin's little pup. We all know that. Come on, MAGA. Admit it, MAGA. You know it's true. Uh, I guess this is no big surprise. Russians played the same game back in 2016. And by the way, they were wildly successful. They got into Democratic computers, hacked the hell out of those suckers, stole emails and budgets and other incriminating stuff that showed what we all knew was going down. And that is the Dems who run the Dems wanted Hillary, a Dem, to win over Bernie, the non-Dem. I really don't know why that was such a big surprise to people, but it was, to put it mildly, very irritating. And I could say this as a non-Dem Bernie supporter. To play the game by the rules they make and then learn at the last minute that the rule makers were making the rules against you without telling you, mm, come on, guys, it's not fair. Anyway, Russians hacked a bunch of emails and dumped them online right before the Democrats met in Philly in the summer of 2016. Ancient history, I know, but... It's worth repeating. So instead of singing happy days are here again and holding hands and locking arms in the struggle to support Hillary and her efforts to defeat Donald Trump, the Democrats were at each other's throats. Bernie folks walking out of speeches, booing, cat calls, making defiant comments to the press. I remember one Bernie dude from California saying he was going to vote for Jill Stein. I remember this. I remember the interview. I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. My friends of the We Love Hillary persuasion, and yes, I have a few of them, still haven't got over it. There's a certain guy I know, and I'll just call him T. You cannot mention Nina Turner or Susan Sarandon or Jeff Weaver or any other Bernie top aide or supporter without him foaming at the mouth. Hey, T. How's it going? <laughs> sort of like mentioning TIFF deals to fat cat developers to me. Rage. Anyway, so it's no big surprise that uh, Putin's gang was up to the same old thing this time around. Mostly they, they were uh, organizing efforts on Facebook to uh, dissuade black voters from voting, uh, to get working class Dems, working class white people to vote for Trump, uh, to play one rival, one faction of the Democratic Party against the other. This time around, obviously, they didn't have the same success. There was no evidence that they actually got in any computers, no evidence that they stole emails, no evidence that they had access to the private reports of Democratic operatives. And, of course, their guy, Comrade Trump, did not win. Biden won. And, by the way, on this point, I just got to say, there's a great letter to the editor of the Sun-Times today. Can you read letters to the editor online, D? I wonder about that. Hmm. I know you can read them on a podcast. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? You can read it on a podcast. I know that much. Yeah, yeah I just, I mean, you know, since I get my new, my uh, read my newspapers uh, the old fashioned way, I just wonder if people online, I know they must be um, printed online. I just don't know like how accessible they are if they're buried. Anyway, uh, Kevin Coughlin's his name. He's in Evanston, an Evanstonian. He wrote an excellent letter worth uh, considering. Uh, remembers the headline, Biden's victory was narrow. 
He writes, we all need to stop saying inaccurately that Democrats won the past election by 7 million votes, as Don Rose wrote in a guest column on Tuesday. By the way, it was a great column by Don Rose. Uh, There's no such thing as a national popular vote contest in the United States. Joe Biden won the presidential election by 42,918 votes in the three closest states, putting him over the top. Those states were Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. This was a narrower victory than the 77,000 votes in the three closest states that gave the election to Donald Trump in 2016. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, by contrast, won all but five states in 1932. If the extremely thin margin of Biden's, quote, amazing victory isn't kept in mind, it may turn out to be one and done. Wise counsel from young Kevin of Evanston. Just important to remember that. Yes, Biden won by over 7 million votes, but we have this insane electoral college and 7 million doesn't matter in this system. All that matters is if you get the electoral college victory. So anyway, still, one way, no matter how you look at it, Putin's efforts on behalf of Donald Trump did not work in 2020. By chance, I happen to be reading uh, Andrew Weissman's book, uh, on the Mueller investigation. Fascinating book. Everybody forgets the Mueller report. But for, remember, Dave, for the longest time, that was a great gag. When oh, we had going, tons we had of great content with that big, long book. Big, fat book. When the Mueller report came out, I ran over. That's me running over to uh, the bookstore. I bought a copy. I got the Washington Post version. It had a great introduction and great annotated notes. And I kept it there on my desk in the studio. Any guest who comes in, you can start reading. I can't say that I read significant chunks of the Mueller report, but I did read the introduction. Anyway, Andrew Weissman was one of the uh, investigators, one of the lawyers uh, working, one of the chief lawyers working uh, uh, with Robert Mueller. Robert Robert Mueller tagged him to, uh, he oversaw the investigation into Paul Manafort, who was uh, the former um, head of the Republican Party when Donnie Trump got the nomination and was clearly in cahoots with the Russians. Uh, But uh, it's so obvious what was going on when you read Weissman's book that uh, Trump held a meeting with Putin at the very moment that Mueller's teams were seeking subpoenas to really go after the Russian hackers. Uh, and uh, after his meeting with Putin, this brought back memories reading this, Trump held, they had a joint press conference. Donald Trump said he had no reason to doubt Putin's denials that Russian hackers had hacked into uh, Democratic computers. And he said, if Putin said he didn't do it, then who is he, Donald Trump, to doubt that? Folks, I was, I was laughing. I mean, it's, in one way, it's just so funny that the head of the Republican Party, the Re- Republican Party was just responsible for some of the most notorious red-baiting witch hunts. McCarthy era, remember that? J. Edgar Hoover, remember all that? Richard Nixon listening to uh, the anti-war protesters, making up a case against the Chicago 7, making up a case against the Black Panthers, waging war against Black, Black Panthers, all these invasions of basic central constitutional rights that were engineered by puppets of the Republican Party or members of the Republican Party, leaders of the Republican Party, were all done because supposedly the Russians, the Soviets, were endangering our system. And now, here is the President of the United States, the leader of the Republican Party, saying, believe the Russians. (laughs) Don't believe the leaders 
of your CIA or your FBI or your intelligence services. We spent our whole lives being taught to believe that what our government tells us is the truth. And now here comes Donald Trump, one of the most notorious liars of all time, who tells us that the government is lying and Putin's telling the truth. Well, it's pretty obvious to me, folks, that Putin played an important role in Trump's 2016 uh, victory. And I think it's pretty obvious to any American out there uh, that he did as well. But if half the country doesn't care, really, Trump and Putin have already won the war. We got a great show today, everybody. Troy LaRavier will be here, president of the Chicago Principals Association. Troy, 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 Troy. I'm sick of it. Okay, Boast. Boast, a huge fan of Troy LaRavier. I did not know that. Troy was telling me that he uh, just completed a report about the opening days of the Chicago public schools. It's fascinating stuff about uh, this. Is, this is what I like about what Troy does among uh, other, everything else. He's a truth teller. Uh, he doesn't shy away from difficult and challenging uh, issues. Uh, and he thinks about what he's going to say uh, before he says it. And uh, he's just a great orator and really knowledgeable man. Aside from all that, uh, he, he like, he, he doesn't accept at face value, everything, <laughs> everything that the Chicago public school says and does his own independent research based on what members of his principal association have to say. So fascinating, uh, details about what's going on, uh, with the public schools, uh, since they officially opened about the number of teachers in the classroom and, the. Uh, uh, number of teachers still doing remote, et cetera, and so forth. So we'll be discussing that with Troy. And then, you know, D, when Troy comes on. And by the way, he was a big Bernie supporter in 2016. When Troy comes on, we always get around to national politics and uh, as well. So plenty of political talk ahead of us with the great Troy LaRabier. But before we do that, young man from Alton. The man that Troy likes to call the doctor with the news how's it going everybody he calls me d nice actually that's oh yes that's what he calls you uh, <laughs> he started that nickname dennis <laughs> no poor guy no 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 <laughs> your mom your mom calls you dennis although lately i hear your mom is calling you doctor well that's actually it's actually if you want to uh break the fourth wall here a little bit my mom calls me dj i'm uh named after my dad and my name is I went by DJ until like 21 or 22. Then I started working in radio and you can't be DJ, the DJ. That's just lame, you know? So then I started going by Dennis after that. I love DJ. DJ is actually pretty cool. I get it. I, I've been thinking about this too, because for almost all my life, I was Benny. And then there was this moment. I kind of regret this moment. Can I share this with you? D? am really like opening up mm-hmm. uh, my innermost feelings, but there was this moment in high school. <laughs> I'm just, I just had this vision of me in high school and I'm like, I'm not Betty anymore. I'm Ben. And that lasted for about six years. Uh, and that, you know, long enough for me to be professionally known as Ben. And then I was sort of like, why? I like Benny. I've been pretty much Benny ever since to everybody who knows me. Um, but I'm stuck with Ben. (laughs) Uh, Poor guy. Sad story. <laughs> Heartbreaking effect. Oh, God. It's so funny. It really is. 
Uh, yes, Ben, Benjamin, Benny, whatever. I don't really care. It's the same thing. But nobody, I got to say, nobody's ever called me doctor. A little envious of that. Nobody's ever called me doctor. Yeah, it's not that great. Trust me. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, Troy LaRavier going to be coming on uh, very shortly. And, you know, for those who like cursing in podcasts, well, there's a good chance he's going to drop a few F-bombs. So get ready. All right, guys. Cool. Does uh, Troy drop the F-bomb? Oh, my God. Wicked ones. Not, but you know what? We did this. We gave the warnings for Adolfo. And he was like a little lamb, you know? Uh, I don't think one F-bomb came out of his mouth when Adolfo Mondragon was uh, on the yeah, show last week. Yeah, so. I got to say, hey, bring back the cursing, dude. That was kind of <laughs> your thing. What are you doing? He goes, I'm here as a lawyer and attorney, and as such, I'm not going to curse. It's like asking Nolan Ryan not to pitch a fastball or something. You know what I mean? Ooh, very good Nolan Ryan reference. We're going back in time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hey, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Illinois and we begin with Governor J.B. Pritzker. Today, the governor was at Abraham Lincoln Memorial Hospital in Lincoln, Illinois. That was at 10 a.m. He was there to address vaccine equity. Then he jumped in the Pritzker mobile and headed to Decatur, Illinois at noon, where he addressed again vaccine equity at Crossing Healthcare. We have a little audio from the governor's trip to Decatur. Like to hear it? Here it go. Illinois has administered over 4.2 million doses of the life-saving COVID-19 vaccines. So far, more than 28% of those 16 and over have been vaccinated, including over 58% of our seniors 65 and over. While the national supply still does not meet demand, my focus is on making this vaccine as accessible as possible for all of our residents from the moment that shipments enter the state of Illinois. Already, we've enabled over 900 locations across the state where residents can get the vaccine, all of which can be found at coronavirus.illinois.gov. Here in Decatur, that includes Kroger and Walgreens and Macon County Health Department, not to mention nearby options over in Sangamon County. And for those who are unable to access the internet, access the coronavirus.illinois.gov website, you can call our vaccine hotline, uh, 833-621-1284 from 6 a.m. to midnight every day of the week. All seven days. That number again. 833 621 1284. Yeah, I got it. I can't give Pritzker credit to you. I'm sorry. The man's really trying. He's really trying to just ignore all the mean, nasty things people say about him. He's really trying to ignore the fact that I would say, well, well into the 40s a percent of the state either does not want anything to do with the vaccine because they don't trust it or doesn't think, don't think they need it uh, because they don't believe uh, the pandemic is real. They don't believe uh, the virus is a serious threat. And yet he just plows ahead. I got to give him credit. I couldn't do it. I could, I could not do what he's doing, you know, facing that wall of resistance and that negativity up front, right in my, I would back down, but this guy gets up every day. All right, let's go. Go to Decatur. Let's go. Come on now. He gives a speech, gives that number. 
by the way, I could tell you somebody who tried. <laughs> JB, I'm just going to share this with you. It's not that easy, as you say. Just throwing that out there. But you keep keep trying it, dude. I got to give him credit, man. He's That's why I say, we'll get into this later. I'm sticking with my bet, D. He's going to win re-election. I know a lot of you. A lot of you doomsdayers are jumping on that Darren Bailey bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Even Rich Miller's getting a little shaky there. <laughs> uh, ace uh, investigative reporter probably knows more about state politics than anyone in Illinois. Everybody's getting a little shaky, but I'm sticking with it. I think JB is going to win re-election and he's going to beat Darren Bailey. I do believe that, dude. Governor Pritzker, anything else you'd like to add? Face cover. Oh, yeah, you say that <laughs> all the time. We get it. I love the face cover. You got to wear face coverings. We'll get to Eric Zorn's column in a little. Excellent column by Eric Zorn today. In other statewide news, no, it was not a dream. It really happened. Long, 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 long time Democratic Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan is gone. He's no longer the Speaker. He's no longer a state rep, no longer chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. He's moved out of his apartment in Springfield, and he's even turned in his Capitol Building Hall Monitor badge. He's done. <laughs> We got a new Democratic speaker these days. It's ECW, Emmanuel Chris Welch. And it looks like our new Illinois Democratic House speaker is planning to do things a little differently with his newfound tenure. On Tuesday and in his first appearance before the City Club of Chicago since becoming speaker, Welch laid out his top four legislative priorities, a list that he said, quote, kind of set itself. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch is Mike Manigan's successor in the top Illinois House leadership position, but on Tuesday he expressed no interest in being the, quote, new party king. <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reputation from that last speaker. Boy, oh boy. Uh, the Hillside Democrat said that he's focused on getting things done and collaborating with legislators on both sides of the aisle. The newly minted speaker said, quote, much of the change Illinois needs is around how we treat each other, how we comport ourselves as leader. Here, here. Madigan's tenure was often described as his, quote, reign, but Welch said he has no designs on the throne. Here's the quote from Welch, quote, the media and political junkies, a.k.a. the people who pay attention and know how shady and greasy our state really is. But back to the quote, the media and political junkies assume that I'm here to be the new party king. I don't want to be anybody's king. That could be the furthest from the truth. I'm not here to roll out top-down decisions and direction on policymaking and legislative. Quote, I'm really here to get things done fast and decisively, but done well and collaboratively. People need us to act. They need, us to, uh, they need to see us do that by working together. All right, Ben, I have Chris Welch's top four priorities, and we're going to talk about them in moments. But we just heard uh, the typical new politician uh, speech there. Oh, we're all going to get along. We're going to be fair. Do you believe our new speaker? And how are you feeling about Emmanuel Chris Welch these days? Well, I like Emmanuel Chris Welch, as we all know. Uh, and uh, he's been on the show a couple times. Uh, but I, I got to take issue with a couple of things that he said there. And uh, in all due respect, uh, Representative Welch, 
By the way, a heck of a baseball player, D. I know you. I don't know if you knew that or no. Oh, Chris yeah. Welch, heck of a baseball player, played high school baseball for Proviso West, and then he went on and played for Northwestern University. So, heck of a baseball player. <laughs> so weird. Know, You're so know, weird. Really weird. Uh, anyway, uh, a big Cubs fan, also Chris Welch. So, <clears throat> first of all, I disagree with the notion that Michael Joseph Madigan used his immense power in Springfield to roll out initiatives uh, and uh, act as the king who determined uh, what uh, laws we would have. You know, he didn't impose these things on people. He, he was more like a wheeler, a dealer who held back legislation until he had squeezed everything he could get <laughs> from the people who wanted the legislation. I remember how, he played, oh my God, gay marriage. He, he like a master, orchestra director. Said, well, <laughs> he's had like all these people who supported gay marriage were kicking in money to support Michael Madigan's legislators. And, you know, it came to time for the vote. And he goes, well, I don't know if the numbers are there. <laughs> Then he had everybody. He had his minions going around, talk, whispering into reporters' ears. The, the speaker knows what he's doing. The numbers aren't there. And I was like, I was one of the guys going, I don't know why you didn't just call the vote. I couldn't understand it. No, 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 Ben, you don't understand how the game is played. The speaker knows everything. He's brilliant. Just trust the speaker. So it's like, I don't know, another year or so, D? I forget how, how much time went by. And then he squeezed I mean, another year's worth of contributions out of people. All right, now well, let's have the vote. So that's kind of how he ran things. It wasn't like he had some great legislative agenda that he wanted to oppose on people. It's not like he had an ideology uh, that he wanted other people to accept. No, man. He was very transactional. You want this? Give me that. Otherwise, nothing will happen. Because I don't really care one way or the other so long as I got mine. And that's basically how Michael Joseph Madigan uh, ran government. So I don't view it as like the monarch on the throne, imposing his will on people and dispatching his great ideas for people to follow. No, he kind of, oh God, I'm going to get in trouble with absolutely everyone day with this one. He kind of reminded me a little Donnie Trump, very transactional. What can I get out of this? We talked about that yesterday with Donald Trump. You watch, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, Biden's all, people want Trump to do those public service announcements, trying to convince MAGA to get the shot. Trump's like, what are you going to give me for it? By the way, Trump got the shot, D. Let's just pause and think about that for a moment. Just, I owe this to D.L. Hewley. D.L. Hewley, a very funny guy. I follow him on Instagram as a comedian. Uh, it's gotten very political, D. I don't know if you know that. Um, D.L. Hewley is really political. He said, anyway, D.L. Hewley goes, what kind of con man says the uh, pandemic is a hoax, goes around encouraging people not to wear a mask, but quietly, secretly gets a shot. That's Donnie Trump. Got the shot. Quiet. But he didn't, he didn't draw any attention to it. God, he didn't try to use his example of getting the shot to encourage other people to get the shot. Because if you encourage other people to get the shot, that's undercutting the notion that the whole thing's a hoax. What a bizarre mixed message the Republicans are sending out. Anyway. Went on a tangent there, D. So Donnie Trump kind of reminds me of Michael Madigan in that they're both transactional. Michael Madigan ran that property tax business for years. People would come to him. A lot of downtown property owners came to him, hired his firm. 
In my opinion, it was their way of letting him know that they appreciated his rule. He did things for them. You, If you really want to know about Michael Joseph Madigan's reign over the last 30 years, go talk to some lefties. Go talk to some union activists. Go talk to the people who support the minimum wage and see how hard it was to get Michael Joseph Madigan to sign on to raising the minimum wage or sign on uh, to um, – some more of the uh, the uh, fair tax about 10 years ago. In other words, he understood where the Chamber of Commerce and the entrenched political interests of the well-to-do, what their positions were on these uh, topics. So he did just enough to appease his lefty supporters without offending the powerful business interests in the state. So no, the, I, I just don't buy this notion that Michael Joseph Madigan was the king reigning over the state of Illinois and opposing his ideological views on people. No, he was a deal maker, a wheeler dealer uh, who uh, controlled his party in the legislature by virtue of the fact that he sent out his lawyers to make sure they got on the ballot, raised money for them, campaigned for them. So, no, I don't I don't buy that analogy. And uh, what was the second? Oh, the second thing is going to be honest and fair. No. <laughs> Chris Welch. Chris, think about this. You're playing baseball. And one team is uh, throwing spitball, spitballs, spitters at you. And coming in high with the spikes at second base. Throw it at the head to get you off the plate. And the other team's going, nope. We're going to play by the rules. Yeah, that hippie stuff gets you nowhere, sir. <laughs> so what do you want to do, Chris Welch? You're going to throw the spitter or you're going to play by the rules? Republicans throw the spitter. I know I'm going to get all the good government people mad at me, D. I know they're writing a letter. This guy is outrageous. But if you want to beat the Republicans, you got to play the game like the Republicans. Speaker Welch. Well, come on, this Mr. Nice Guy, oh, yeah, reach across the aisle. <laughs> you reach across the aisle, they're going to hit you in the head. What are you, new? Oh, wait, you are new. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's my thoughts on Chris Welch's uh, comments, Steve. All right, well, let's hear Speaker Chris Welch's top four priorities. Speaker Welch's top four priorities. All right. Priority number one from our new speaker. And it makes sense. Fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Welch said money from the latest federal relief package will help us get the vaccine out there and distributed reopen schools and help small businesses. Yes, that's an easy one. Everybody agrees on that. <laughs> I think even Republicans agree it's a good idea. To sp- I don't know. Actually, I just said that. The Republican governor in Mississippi is turning out federal money uh, for Medicare. So, you know what, Chris Welch, you may find resistance from the Republicans. Oh, my God. If, if any of that money goes to pay off the uh, uh, pension obligations, public's going to be mad about that. I don't know what they want to pay that money off with, by the way. Uh, pay those obligations. I guess they want the state to go bankrupt. So, you know what? As soon as I said it, there you go, uh, Chris Welch. I don't know. You may have resistance. Even on that point, you think everybody would say, yes, spend the federal money so we don't have to raise taxes, uh, uh, state taxes, property taxes, get the whole country to help us out with our bills. You watch, Chris Welch. 
You watch those Republicans. I know you've, you've been led to believe that the world's a happy place where everybody gets along, but it's not. <laughs> You'll learn. Oh, shout out to Frank. Medicaid, not Medicare. My apologies, Frank. Thank you. You're the man. Your check's in the mail. Okay, uh, that was priority number one, fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's find out priority number two, huh? Speaker Welch's top four priorities. On to priority number two from our new speaker, Chris Welch. Priority number two is a balanced budget that protects our most vulnerable. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I'm really with you for protecting the most vulnerable. Second of all, you know, as I've said many times, I'll, I'll resist the temptation to go in another lecture about budgets, but budgets are just projections. So at any given time, you could project a balanced budget. Uh, whether it's actually really balanced, who the hell knows? We we talk about this a lot in the, on the city level. I gotta give Lori credit, Lori Lightfoot for a rookie. She's really learning that budget game fast. Steve, you notice that the maestro? You know, she's uh, oh, I got COVID relief money uh, that's supposed to help people with their rent and stuff like that. Nah, nah, just spend it on the cops. Now, Ben, you know our listeners don't like when you give Lori Lightfoot credit, right? You know that. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, when you learn to play the game, you learn to. I'm not giving her credit for being a great progressive. I'm not keep giving her credit for being the second coming of Harold Washington or FDR. I'm just giving her credit for being master of the game. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, we're going to have a balanced budget, right? Yeah, sure. It seems like you're liking these priorities so far. All right, well, let's go to our third priority from Emmanuel Welch. Speaker Welch's top four priorities. Number one, fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Two, a balanced budget. Number three, ethics reform. <laughs> oh, you like that. Welch said, quote, I mean, I didn't hear any jokes. You're laughing, but Welch said, quote, you're going to hear me talk about that a lot. Well, we can't wait to hear it, buddy. Ah, oh, man. Good luck with that one, Chris Welch. Ethics reform. Well, you know, it's never too late to have uh, ethics reform in the state of Illinois. So, as you know, uh, I'm really reluctant to ever use the word reform in relation to anything that happens in the state of Illinois, uh, and in particular, anything that happens at the city of Chicago. Because reform, as I like to point out, generally means, uh, in, when it comes to Chicago and uh, when it comes to Illinois, taking from one group of people and giving to another generally taking from poor, working-class, middle-class people, giving to the, the wealthy. That's generally what it means, folks. But, uh, you know, if you change the law so that House speakers can no longer have property tax businesses, that uh, chairs of the Finance Committee of the City Council can no longer have property tax businesses, I don't know, D. That might be a useful step in the road uh, to reform, but somehow or other... I feel that will elude them. I just got that feeling. By the way, everybody's got some kind of, I think Durkin, uh, the uh, head of the Republican minority leader, Mr. Uh, I'm opposed to anything our Democrat comes up with. I believe he's got a flourishing law business. I think he does TIFF work too. Hey, can we have a law that says any state rep, uh, no legal TIFF work? How about that, D? How about that for a law? 
Well, then it's unconstitutional. <laughs> they drag out some lawyer. It's unconstitutional. Well, so much for that reform. There's reform, and then there's reform. You know what I'm saying, D? Guys, remember that. There's reform, and then there's reform. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what that reminds me of? On a tangent, within a tangent, within a tangent. This morning, uh, when we are doing our pre-show planning session, a daily event on the Ben Jarosky show. Takes hours going over the news. Yeah, we're thinking about making that its own show. The pre-show <laughs> show. <laughs> I got a um, caller unknown, it said. <laughs> I'm like, is that Dennis? Did Dennis, like, does he have, like, a secret phone? Is he, like, staying at some bizarre motel on the northwest side of Chicago where it's unknown? <laughs> Folks, I've learned not to take Except unknown phone call. I don't know, because whenever I do, it's not a good thing. It's like some guy with like a, a bizarre accent who claims that uh, he has access to my computer. And if I uh, don't give him login information or something, they're going to charge, take money out of my bank account. I don't know, man. It's kind of, so it's like, you know, I just don't take. Uh, phone calls. Isn't it funny how far we've come with that? Like uh, when the phone was first invented, like you didn't know who was calling and you were like happy and surprised to answer. Oh, I wonder who this could be. Hello. Now you're like, I don't know who the hell that is. I ain't answering that. No, it reminds me of the great time. Uh, yes, you're correct about that. Uh, years and years ago, long before you were born, uh, Dennis, my dear friend, uh, Chickowitz, whose nickname, as you know, is Chicken Tit. Uh, call, call my, dirty boys. Call my, <laughs> call my house. I forget he wanted to go play basketball or something. Call my house. And my father answered the phone. And my father's voice and my voice sounded very similar on the phone. And so my father goes, hello. And, uh, and Chickowitz goes, uh, yeah, hey, Benny, you want to go play uh, basketball? He goes, oh, this is not Benny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go beep yourself, yo mother. Beep. That kind of thing. Oh, this is not Chickowitz. Chicken tits started going, yeah, yeah, eh, kiss my ass. You know, da, 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 da. my father goes, I'm going to hang up now. And Chicken was like, uh -uh. <laughs> what do you do now? Yep, you call back and face the guns. You got to give Chicken credit, man. Oh, sorry, Mr. Jarofsky. I... <laughs> oh, Betty's not here. <laughs> anyway, yes, the good old days when there was no caller ID. <laughs> and so there was no way my father would know that that was Chicken Tit. Boy, that nickname, I tell you. All right, and our fourth and final priority from uh, Speaker Welch here. Uh, the state's upcoming redistricting process. Oh, yes. I know you love talking about woo, this, Ben. Woo, woo. I think, the, personally, I think the topic may be more boring than Trent Ford, but you love to talk about it, so your thoughts. Well, uh, there was an essay in today's Bright One by... Uh, Chris Welch's counterpart, Don Harmon, who's the Illinois state president. It's interesting. The leader of the House and the leader of the Senate are both from the western suburbs. Hmm, I hadn't thought about that. One's from Oak Park, the other's from Hillside. Interesting. Uh, and uh, Don Harmon is promising that uh, when we draw new lines for legislative districts in Illinois, everybody will be at the table. It's going to be fair and an open process. And I'm like, no. Don't you guys get it? Have you learned anything? I should make all these guys listen to the Ben Jarowski show. No open process. Go into the back rooms, preferably with smoke. 
Smoke-filled dark rooms, just like in the old days. And write a map that really screws the Republicans. That's how you play the game, Don Harmon. That's how you play the game, Chris Welch. I could just hear them right now. Ben, come on now. It's really not fair. (laughs) Oh, yeah? What do you think the Republicans are doing in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Alabama? Name a state where the Republicans are in charge. Do you think they talk about transparent, open processes of drawing maps? No. They talk about cutting it up so you squeeze as many Democrats into one district as you can to minimize their power and maximize every MAGA voter in the country so that Republicans control the legislative process in Kentucky and Wisconsin and North Carolina. But here in Illinois, where the Democrats control it, we got all these do-gooders saying, it's just outrageous. We must change this. And Dems, Dems are like, mm, I agree. We need an open process. <laughs> I know it sounds weird coming from me, Mr. Open, Mr. Transparency and Tiffs, saying you want a closed process behind closed doors where deals are done to undercut the Republicans. I know that sounds hypocritical. And I'm really hoping, D. That MAGA will take it and broadcast it. Send it out. One day I'll wake up and I'll have an email. Hippie podcast <laughs> who uh, overlooks the alley in a porta potty says close process. I hope they do that, D. Yeah, me too. Show? Well, we get some hits, baby. <laughs> DB, come on, man. DB, go ahead, do it. You can use it, DB. But anyway, Dems. Now, now it could be, Dennis. I know if you thought about this, it could be that Chris Welch and Don Harmon are just fooling them. And they're just saying they want that uh, open, transparent process, you know, because they know it sounds good. Well, there's that possibility and that they're really going to do the game the way the Republicans do. (laughs) Screw Republicans. You know what, Dennis? We'll have to watch this one, how it unfolds. Do they really mean it when they say open, transparent, everyone's participating, everybody will be at the table process? That do good government BGA stuff? Or do they plan to just squeeze the Republicans, treat Republicans the way Republicans treat Democrats in Wisconsin and Michigan? We'll have to wait and see, young Dennis. Wait and see. There you go. Those were Chris Welch's four priorities. And yes, Stephen and Doogie on the live stream chat, that was number four. Number four. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Holy cow. We got to pay. We got to pay that bill. There's some bill that we didn't pay. And that's right. That door keeps slamming. <laughs> and that was Speaker Welch's top four priorities. Speaker Welch's top four priorities. Good times. Okay. And, you know, I guess today's show is brought to you by Priorities. Because the Illinois House Progressive Caucus has laid out a six-point priority list for 2021. And no, I don't have fun, silly intro music for this one. Uh, The Illinois House Progressive Caucus plan includes advancing comprehensive energy legislation that will, quote, electrify the transportation sector, decarbonize the power grid this decade, and lead to equitable green investments in communities of color. According to the group, also on the list, relief for renters and homeowners in wake of the pandemic, a low guaranteeing paid sick and family leave for all Illinois workers, 
ending tax giveaways to big businesses, an equity-focused second-round lottery for cannabis dispensary licenses, and health equity provisions. In a statement, Progressive Caucus co-chair Carol Ammons. Ben, of what town in Illinois? Uh, Carol is from Champaign, is she not? That's correct. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Carol Ammons said passage would bring, quote, much needed relief and equitable economic growth to Illinois families. Yeah, with you 100%. With you 100%. Now, they call themselves progressives. This is a labeling thing. I would call them lefties. But they don't want to be called lefties. It's it's so funny, the labels. The Democrats struggle with this stuff. Like, MAGA's proud. I'm MAGA. Uh, uh. <laughs> Trump. Uh, uh. You know, they take the American flag down, put a flag of Trump up. They're proud of who they are. Democrats are all over the map. Well, I'm an independent. Well, I'm uh, more of a... Uh, uh, liberal on socialist issues, conservative on economic ones. In other words, you hate paying taxes, cheapskate. So just to get or, this straight, so just to get this straight real quick, though, Republicans are like, uh, 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 and liberals are like, mm, that's, exactly. Okay, okay. It's that's all you need to know. Uh, but um, <laughs> that's all you really need to know about how the process works, D. Why do you think Republicans run everything, even though they're a minority? Because they just take... <laughs> And E, Democrats are like, hmm, let's play the game there. Um, it's an interesting thing. They call themselves progressives. And I recall, I may have said this on the show a few times. I love telling this tale. Back in the old days, progressives uh, were thought of as aldermen in the city council who opposed Rahm Emanuel. I'm not making this up, folks. This is the political system that you have lived in, that you have participated in, that you have supported. So they had these progressives in the city council, who wanted for Chicago pretty much everything that Carol Ammons and the progressives in Illinois want for the whole state. And Rahm was against that, because Rahm was for taking money from the poor and the middle class and giving it to rich people. You elected him, city of Chicago, heck of a job in that election, both of them. Uh, Anyway, so the progressives in the Chicago city council had so what, muddied up the name progressive or had made it seem like an anti-ROM thing that the liberals or whatever they are in Springfield didn't want to be called progressives. Bob Markwick told me the story. Bob Markwick is now a state senator. Uh, I don't want to be progressive because the people think I'm like Scott Wagesback or something or John Arena. And then Rom will get on the phone and start yelling at me. So, you know what, D I'm happy that now they call themselves progressives. Just saying guys, Progressives in Chicago. Now everyone's a progressive. Lori Lightfoot's a progressive in Chicago. I, I think you got MAGA. I think Chicago is like MAGA progressives lefties. So why you guys, you know what? I say you drop the progressive label and just call yourself lefties. Good stuff, though. Good stuff. I'm with you 100%, Carol Ammons. Now to the news in the city of Chicago. I have no public events listed for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, good afternoon, mayor. How's it going? So that gives us plenty of time to talk about the latest from the Chicago Sun-Times and Nadir Issa. Here we go. Chicago public schools officials will aim to reopen high schools at the start of the fourth academic quarter on April 19th. The district announced Tuesday even as ongoing negotiations with the Chicago Teachers Union leave that target date unsettled. Round two of the CPS and CTU? Possibly. Here's the quote from Chicago Public Schools CEO Janice Jackson. Quote, 
providing high school students the option to safely return on April 19th is a top priority for the district, and we will continue meeting regularly with CTU representatives as we strive to reach a consensus that provides the smoothest possible transition for our families and staff. Notice how it's real friendly right here at this point. <laughs> right now, it's really friendly, these quotes, all right? Let's just mark that in our brains. Remember these quotes. Discussions with the teachers' union. Oh, this is Jan, uh, Janice Jackson, by the way. She continues. Discussions with the teachers' union have been productive. And the April date is one of, quote, several concepts the party have discussed. Now, we've come to learn that when it comes to CPS making comments regarding the Chicago Teachers Union, well, they're kind of talking out of their asses. So it should come as no surprise by now when I read the following. In a statement Tuesday evening, the Chicago Teachers Union said, quote, <laughs> we have no agreement. <laughs> And so it goes again. Uh, the CTU criticized the district's announcement as, quote, more unilateralism and accused CPS of distorting the status of negotiations. Uh, the quote from the CTU continued. Doesn't say who said the quote here, so I guess it's a collective quote from the CTU. It says here, <laughs> all of them, uh, the mayor and CPS cannot set a date for return, then inevitably blame educators if any problems meeting that deadline arise. Instead, the district must work with parents, students, educators, and all stakeholders in crafting a safe plan for high school return to in-person instruction. Yes. By the way, I don't know who, I wish they put a name on it because whoever said it is absolutely right. That's the game they play. I got to smiling, listen to it. Let's just give credit to Stacey Davis. Let's just say Stacey said, why not? Hey, Stacey, we're giving you credit for that. Maybe she doesn't want credit for it. Uh, But that's the game they play. They always like, you know, it's the sun is coming up. It's a sunshiny day. It's a lovely day in the city of Chicago. Your your mayor is uh, running the city smoothly. You have nothing to fear. Your your uh, superintendent is running the school system brilliantly. She's a genius. Uh, everything's going well. And then when there's a hiccup, right? Like when the maybe it's uncertain that they'll meet that April 19th uh, reopening date. I don't know if they will or won't, but maybe they will be the hiccup, you know, and then suddenly the paper, the reporters have a, a reasons for existence. They can go from one conflicted party to the other. Then they'll be able to say, we try. I mean, everything was just going great. And then they screwed it up. And we, how many meetings did we have? Then they drag out the poor HR guy. I met with him 50 times. It's a form of torture, by the way, Lori Lightfoot, to make a meet with the HR guy. It's not being nice. Just saying, man, HR guy. The HR guy. Now, moving forward. (laughs) Uh, If you know, take out your manual, and if you go to page uh, 82, section 42, paragraph D, Roman numeral three, you'll see, <laughs> pursuant to, that's what he does. They put these teachers in a room with the HR guy, and he just reads the school code to them until they crack. Ah! And then Janice Jackson and Lori Life would come out and go, things are going great. Yeah, because you weren't locked into the room with the HR guy. So, yeah, CTU's going, ah. We know the game you're playing. You're setting us up to be the fall guy. 
<laughs> ah, what a city, Dave. What a great, just, what a lovely city. But you know what? Like, when there's a fight, there's, there are Chicagoans, Dave. Follow me in this. There are Chicagoans, like, of the Bruce Rauner persuasion. You know, like, the really, like, they, they love it. When they see Lori Lightfoot fighting with the teachers, you you know, they're the ones who always say, stand up to the teachers union. And they they have Lori's ear. They have Rob's ear. Really had Rob's ear. Actually, they shared an ear with Rob. He had their ear. But um, so, yeah, yeah, that's the whole game. And this Chicago teachers union sees through. My advice to the teachers union, which they're free not to follow because pretty much nobody follows my advice anyway. Put a name on these quotes. I don't, I don't care if it's Billy Bob. The guy in the back room, put a name on it. Billy Bob from the Chicago Teachers Union says blah, blah, blah. But these nameless quotes, the, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, come on. Well, shout out to uh, Doogie on the live stream chat. He said, I heard uh, CTU President Jesse Sharkey snapped. Well, I do have some audio here. I haven't heard it yet. Let's hear this. I um. Oh. <laughs> Right now, um, I don't know what you're talking about, Doogie. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Just give quotes, all quotes to Jesse Sharkey from now on. I, uh, D, <laughs> like, uh, let's just pause and go back in time. The good old days. We're back in the studio. Teacher strike 2019, was it? Huh? 2019. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Good times, man. Teachers Union said, hey, I got an idea. Let's hire more nurses. We have hardly any nurses in the school. Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson. We don't need nurses. We'll tell you when we need nurses. Now get back in that classroom. Uh, Also, uh, shout out to new live stream chatter, HM. HM reminded us of uh, what what happened last time. The CTU and the CPS uh, were negotiating. They had 80 meetings. Will they have more than 80 this time around? HM, that's what I'm saying. It's a form of torture. And then they brag about it. I don't know why you guys are bragging about this. You're like torturing teachers. Ooh, that like that alliteration, D. That's good. You're torturing teachers. Okay. That's it. Could you imagine Mike Boast, Congressman Mike Boast talking about I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the HR guy. Put Mike Boast in one of those meetings. His head will explode. Hey, Boast. You think Michael Madigan was hard to deal with? Just try dealing with that HR guy at CTU. <laughs> they brag about it. Lord Lightfoot would have those press conferences. We've had 80 meetings with Chicago Teachers Union. You haven't been in those meetings, Lori Lightfoot. Don't brag about them. If you've been in one of those meetings, Stacey Davis Gates is in a lot of those meetings. She's come to the show sometimes after a meeting. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you've been locked in a room with the HR guy. Drive anyone insane. You know what, D? Here's my, I think Stacy, uh, excuse me, Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson should have to go through 40 hours locked in a room with the HR guy and then Good be surprised. Lord. The HR, okay, now stop saying moving forward, HR guy. My God. <laughs> this isn't an email. We're talking person to person. Uh, and also, Ben, did, are we getting a glimpse of Ben Jarofsky show content in April right now? Yes. I think we're getting a glimpse into the future here. Things we're going to be talking about next month. I know. know, I'm going to be optimistic. 
I know, like it's going to be a new world. That never goes and, well. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot's going to call uh, Jesse Sharkey in the fight. She can't calling Stacey Davis Gates is just a little too much for the mayor. Can't deal with Stacey Davis Gates. Uh oh, Troy Larabier is about to join us. We'll get his thoughts on this comments. Will we have a new day and age in April when it comes uh, when it's time for opening high schools? Will the mayor of the city of Chicago? And the uh, superintendent of school, CEO, because it's a business model, the CEO of, uh, I think Troy LaRavier is wearing a Prince t-shirt, if I didn't, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Will, we may have to get him to do some uh, Prince songs from uh, the uh, late 70s, or early 80s. Oh, aren't Will you glad you came on today, age? Troy? You're going to be singing. <laughs> We're going to make him sing Purple Rain. Um, will there be a new day? Will they treat teachers and principals with respect? Troy has an outstanding uh, report that he's just published. We're going to be talking about that, the reopening of the schools. Let's take a break, D, and then bring Troy LaRavier on, okay? Absolutely. Let's do it. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts, over 900 episodes of this show for you to check out. If you've listened to them all, you're amazing. Thank you so much. You may have a problem. That's a lot of content. If, you, if you've if you missed, you know, a few, go check it out, chicagoreader.com. Uh, forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts. You can find us online uh, at Benny J show, B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you there. You could send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. Um, send us a message and who knows, we may read your message on the air and we have a phone number. It's true. You can call the Ben Jarofsky show. 708-658-4788. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show. And yeah, we're going to take a break. Troy LaRavier, when we come back.